Hello uh, and welcome to While You Were Steeping, a curatorial tea and culture podcast. I'm Hayden Rogers. And I'm Michael Mandalios. And this week we are diving into the world of green tea. But before we do, we're going to start with something just a little bit different this week. And it's something that we've been wanting to introduce to the show for a little while now. We've been wanting to do an interview for quite a while with some uh, amazing Aboriginal tea curators or Aboriginal tea providers here in Australia. Uh, But we haven't managed to line up an interview just yet, unfortunately. Last week, however, was NAIDOC week here in Australia. And NAIDOC week is a week uh, that's dedicated to the celebration and acknowledgement of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture. Uh, it's, a, it's a national week of, of acknowledgement and celebration and recognition of what is actually the oldest living culture on this earth, if you didn't know. Mm. The Australian Aboriginal culture is the longest enduring uh, culture in the world, which is pretty Which cool is and still amazing. living today. And comprised of hundreds of different uh, individual cultures then within within the continent as well. Uh, and NAIDOC week last week was uh, a bit of a contentious one because our parliament, well, the first thing that you need to know is that uh, Australia is the only nation in the British Commonwealth that still does not have a treaty with its Indigenous people. Land was never ceded, sovereignty was never ceded, and uh the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in Australia are still waiting on official recognition in the form of a treaty, which is After pretty After several hundred years. After several hundred years. <laughs> Not to mention, in Australian Parliament last week, in the middle of this National Week of Acknowledgement and Recognition voted not to fly any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander flags on Parliament House uh, or on any government buildings. Just for the week alone, let alone the fact that, you know, it is the belief of a lot of people that they should be flown constantly in this country. Yeah. And like, how are they not? That's ridiculous. (laughs) So with that in mind, we thought it would be a good time to introduce you to a very common practice in Australia, uh, which was established in response to the lack of treaty with our Indigenous people, uh, which is referred to as an acknowledgement of country. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Um, so it's when people who are not from Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander descent are living or working on Aboriginal land. You acknowledge the country that you're working on and you pay your respect to the elders past, present and emerging. And it happens very often in public events. It happens in, um, in a lot of, uh, performance or sports events. And it really, it happens in any instance where if you have not been given a welcome to country by a local Indigenous member uh, or a local Indigenous elder, then the best that you can do as as a non-Indigenous person is to acknowledge the country that you're on and pay your respects to the traditional owners. So, with that in mind, uh, Hayden, would you like to start? Sure. Um, well, I live and work on Gadigal land uh, in the Eora Nation, But that's actually contentious, I've discovered, that potentially it's not called the Eora Nation. This is Sydney, by the way, Sydney area. Um, That, in fact, that Eora apparently uh, sort of just meant, like, here, just meant, like, this place. (laughs) Um, So when the the settlers asked the Indigenous people, like, where are you from? And they said Eora, they were like... (laughs) Oh, that must be what your nation's called, but it's probably not. But at least we can acknowledge that I'm on Gadigal land. Um, And Michael, where are you? 
Uh, I'm living and working on Yagura and Turbul land. So my understanding is that where I am in Mianjin, which is uh, which is the original name for what we now call Brisbane, where I am is Yagura land, but Yagura and Turbul land kind of runs uh, concurrently through both sides of Brisbane. So most people who live and work in Brisbane will acknowledge both the Yagura and the Turbul people, just in case they're not entirely sure where the where the divide was. Uh, so yes, I live and work on Yagura and Turbul land, and I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land and their elders past, present and emerging. And I think especially because Hayden and I are both, uh, storytellers by trade, you know, we're, we're actors and, and singers. And now here we are telling you stories about <laughs> the history and culture of tea, um, Indigenous people in Australia have a culture of storytelling that goes back the better part of 60,000 years. So it's uh, a pretty genuine privilege to be continuing that tradition. Mm. So, green tea. Green tea. (laughs) Well, we all know why it's called green tea, or do we? (laughs) I, I assumed, actually, I looked it up and it seemed to be correct, but that it's called green tea due to just the colour, because it's not oxidised as much as other teas, so the leaves are still green and it makes the actual steeped tea green in colour. I think I think something that kind of really struck me as I started doing research was I've always you, you always think of green tea as a modifier, you know? You, you just hear tea by itself and you mm. think of black tea. And what's really interesting is that green tea really was Mm. all that we had for so much longer than anything else. You know, green tea was the first, the first discovery, you know, if we go back to the story of Shen Nong dating back, you know, the better part of 4,000 years ago, um, that was, that was green tea. And and it was prepared in the very similar way to the way that we produce most green teas now. And what I thought was really interesting was Hayden and I, of course, having grown up here in Australia with very heavy mm. British influence, uh, you know, you get taught that black tea is normal tea because black tea is the most prolifically drunk British yeah. version or, or British cultural staple. But realistically, green tea is normal tea. So we should really just call green tea tea <laughs> and have black as the modifier for black yeah. tea. Um so once once again, that's you know Britain kind of whitewashing their their perspectives of yeah, tea. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is. It's actually that's very true. Like the Western version of tea is black tea, and the uh, Eastern version of tea is green tea, because it's been normalised once. Yeah. Again. So really, um, what we discovered, especially as we started digging into oolong as well, is that a big, a, really the key differential for any variety of tea is how it's sourced, how it's prepared. And how it's um, how it's produced. So the thing with green tea is that it is kind of in its in its purest form, uh, in that all that is done to the leaves after they are picked is that they are dried and then pressed and in many instances fried. But that's about yeah. it. Uh, and so that's kind of that's kind of where where we get the what looks like those little those little thinly pressed green leaves that we see when we get green tea. Um, yeah, and a lot of people, they don't like green tea, I, I find. I think people, it's a bit of like a polarising tea, but I think that's probably mainly due to the fact that most people overbrew it and make it bitter. Yes, we've definitely talked about this Yeah, before. 
And it is really like a universal rule that like you don't want to go higher than 80 degrees. There's not really a green tea out there that's you've got, you're going to steep at higher than 80 degrees. Um, and I think that's the big issue is people are like, I'll try green tea. It's good for you apparently. And you, you know, pour boiling water on it. It gets bitter and grassy and gross. And then you're like, green tea is disgusting. But actually, if you prepare it nicely, it's, it's delicious. Absolutely. Something else that's really interesting about about green tea is is how it's cultivated as well in terms of, again, it's, you know, it's that original Camellia sinensis plant, which originated in India and China. But green tea, we associate so strongly with Japan as mm, well. Yeah, like Sencha. I, I think that's really quite interesting yeah. because they have quite a long harvesting season for, for green tea, especially it starts around the end of April and then it runs all the way through multiple crops in June, July, and even in September as well. Um, but what's particularly interesting is that as of the early 90s, Sencha actually made up 80% of um, green tea mm-hmm. production. So we, we've got kind of like one, I, I feel like a lot of people have kind of one specific image of what they, what they think of or what they expect when they, when they conjure up green tea in their mind. Yeah, yeah. Now, green tea, similar to our discussion about oolong, um, it's influenced very much by the soil that it's grown in, as well as the height at which it's grown. So again, you can you can basically grow green tea uh, anywhere from anywhere from a kind of reasonably lofty height to about two thousand meters up above sea level, and it can only grow. I didn't even think about this, but of course it makes sense. It can only grow between the equator and the forty. 40- Fifth latitude. Mm. Uh, so really, you can't go too far north or too far south because the climate gets too cold or too um, or too dry for well, to mm. grow tea, uh, as it were. Yeah. So I did think that was quite interesting as well. But yeah, it's roughly about seventy to ninety days from planting tea for for it to then actually be able to uh, grow. Roughly, so. Generally, you can you can pluck them every like five to ten days, but yeah, roughly seventy to ninety days is kind of a, a turnaround period for for tea. Yeah, and I, I read somewhere there was sort of like you know the four or up to five sort of pickings of the tea leaves in a season. You know, you have your first flush, which is your yeah, nicest exactly. variety of green tea, your like sweetest new buds and then yeah they just progressively pick the the leaves a few more times as they grow back totally but i don't think i realized how extensive and arduous the process was from the picking to the shaping to the drying to the steaming to the you know all of it it, it Mm. added up in man hours it works up to be quite a lot of work to be done yeah yeah it is it's an extensive little process yeah um, but also speaking of Japan, a little fun fact I like found out was that <laughs> because of the Fukushima radioactive, oh uh, yeah, the meltdown, the, the meltdown. meltdown, yeah, the meltdown. Yeah. That was 2011. Yeah, 2011. There was um, tea <laughs> with, uh, I think it was like two, at least two times the amount of radioactivity that was uh, legally allowed exported from Japan. Oh no. Um, yeah, it's still been detected even like years later in green tea from certain areas in Japan. Um, but there was like certain reports of like, uh, I, I read one uh, where French authorities turned away uh, deliveries, like hundreds of kilograms of tea from Japan because 
um, it had like at least double. It was like 1,000. Um, I can't remember what the name is of this <laughs> measurement of this uh, nuclear isotope, but it had like 1,000 particles instead of the legal limit. It's like 500 or something. <laughs> That's terrifying. Yeah. And what happened? Was the tea recalled or do we, do we know? Yeah. So like it happened obviously like around the world kind of, mm. um, but there was definitely stories of like, you know, the government then recalled the Japanese government was like, you have to recall your tea product. But then uh, there was one, there was at least one case where they admitted that they sort of accidentally discovered the radiation in the tea and there would would have been other batches released like into the public before oh then. Oh my gosh, that, that's terrifying. Like, oh, yeah. poor Japan. That's so sad. Yeah, it actually got me thinking about like that whole like the nuclear history of Japan and I'm like, that's actually really intense. <laughs> that's a hot and that's a whole other that's a whole other podcast right there. <laughs> yeah. Back to green tea. <laughs> I think something that's really interesting about Japan as well is is uh, the the cultivation of matcha as a as a kind of subsect of green tea. You know the fact that it is effectively the same as other green teas, but by by mashing it, <laughs> you know, grinding it down into this fine 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 powder, you know, you've completely changed the nature of what what the tea is like. Mm. Yeah. We've already covered a fair bit about matcha in terms of its cultural significance, if you remember our conversation with Adam from Mykoya. I remember it. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you do. I'm sure, our, I'm sure our listeners hopefully do as well. <laughs> and, yeah, something that's really interesting, you know, besides all of that incredible cultural significance to the matcha tea ceremony is just the major difference in how it's, you know, how it's prepared and what it ends up tasting like. mm Something yeah. that I'd never noticed, though, is that um, you, there's actually a bit of a tradition of adding honey to matcha, which I never mm. realised. Delish. I don't I've, know how I've, I would feel I've about that. I've done that. that. Um, when I used to make them at, when I was working at T2, when I used to make them um, for myself, I'd always, like, add a little bit of honey and it was delicious. It just makes it, like, it's actually a r- really tasty beverage, especially if you... I, I love to do like sort of the latte version, but it was with soy milk. And that was always yeah. so tasty, like a little bit of honey, like this sort of milky green tea. It was just really good. Well, something else that's really interesting, I think, is that um, to create like that kind of mellow taste that you get in matcha tea, there's actually there's actually a process that does that. And it wasn't brought into it wasn't really brought into light until about the 1500s or so. Um, the 1400s or the 1500s. So the, the, there's like a canopy, like a, a sunlight mm. protection canopy that they will put over the tea trees for about 20 or 30 days before they harvest the leaves. And by doing that, it releases a chemical called theanine or theanine. <gasps> yes, um, I know about this. <laughs> and it, And that's what makes it, that's what makes that kind of really mellow taste that you get in matcha, that kind of, um, I don't know how to, how to describe it. It's, you know, it's kind of like that warm, mm. that warm green feeling. Yeah. Well, speaking of theanine, I've actually uh, got a sort of list of the potential health benefits of green tea. And then oh, yeah, it's on, wild, hey. Whether or not they're true or not. <laughs> 
Well, yes. So we should preface this by saying a lot of the health benefits um, from green tea, especially, but also a lot of teas, are kind of universally understood, but not necessarily scientifically supported. So um, mm. certainly, you know, certainly we would never recommend drinking tea in aid of any major illnesses or serious conditions. Um, but I'm sure Hayden's yeah. about to... It's more preventative. Yeah, and, and, you know, just good for promoting digestive health and, and organ health and those kinds of things. But let's find out exactly what you found. Okay. So, uh, the first sort of green tea myth, I suppose, if it's a myth, I don't know if I should call them myths. They're all kind of like relatively sound, uh, is that green tea can help prevent cancer. Um, so... Basically, like the science of it is that free radicals cause cancer over time and antioxidants prevent free radical damage. And green tea has a lot of antioxidants. So, like, theoretically, it should, you know, stop cancer from happening. But (laughs) uh, (laughs) theoretically being a very operative word there. Yeah, it's like, yeah, there's like a correlation, but... um, in, in the doctor video I watched about this, <laughs> there's a correlation, but not a causation. So it's like, mm. it's like, there's a difference, you know, uh, it's maybe connected or it probably is connected, but we can't like prove there's like a direct link to that thing. Um, the second is that green tea is good for bad breath. And this is actually hundred percent true, oh, yeah. apparently. So there's something in green tea called catechins, and they are apparently amazing. Um, They kill certain kinds of bacteria in your mouth, and that is the same bacteria, at least some of it is the same bacteria that causes bad breath. Um, And this was actually proven in a study, and it also decreases, like decreasing that bacteria also decreases your plaque levels, which also decreases your chance of having cavities. So it's actually fairly good for mouth health overall. Mm -hmm. Um. The third is green tea helps you focus. Well, and that's obviously the caffeine. Yes, yes. So it has about 30 to 50 grams of caffeine, which is, you know, uh, approximately half of what you get in a cup of coffee. So I don't know. There's sort of like that myth that like green tea doesn't have caffeine but it, or just tea in general, but it obviously definitely does. Um, you know, people Absolutely like. Absolutely it does. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's just less than coffee. Um, but the real like magic of it. So you don't get like jitters from having too much caffeine like you can with big Mm -hmm. coffee but um the thing the real magic is that it works in conjunction with l-theanine which is what you were talking about before um and that actually gives your brain relaxation um because it can cross amazingly this this uh nutrient can cross the blood brain barrier um and so it like gives your brain relaxation without making you drowsy so you have like this little sort of a uh, steady stream of caffeine plus your brain is like relaxed um which is sort of perfect for focus so yeah that's really interesting it's amazing as well um how how many things are attributed to green tea but can't yet be proven mm. and usually that's because it's a very difficult thing to control in terms of trying to do uh well trying to do clinical studies or trying to do yeah. kind of clinical trials so the national center for complementary and integrative health it's a sub-department of the uh the nih which is of course the um, u.s national institute of health and what's really interesting is that they have all this information available about a lot of the things that you've just mentioned things like promoting alertness relieving digestive symptoms headaches um 
And also, uh, as you said, the EGCGs, which are supposedly linked to preventing certain conditions like heart disease and cancer. But then a huge caveat that they've got on that is that heaps of studies have been done and definite conclusions still can't be reached because it's very, very difficult to regulate those studies because people who drink green tea come from such hugely varied demographics. You know, there would be smokers who drink green tea, Hmm. non-smokers who drink green tea, people in their 50s who drink green tea, people in their 20s who drink green tea, you know, all of all of these medical kind of differentials that make it very difficult to actually assess what the real benefits are. But hey, it's tasty and we know that we feel good when we drink it. Yeah. Um, Well, I do have, I have a few more thingos. Mm. Um, So green tea is good for your heart, which is kind of just true. It's been proven to lower blood pressure. So (laughs) yeah, that is true. Um, Weight. So that's the big one that everyone wants to know about. So there is really no consensus on whether green tea makes you lose weight. Um, Basically, the the best they can say is that it might work for you um, because it does help boost boost your metabolism. It does help fat oxidization, which is just another word for fat burning. And some studies even show that there's like uh, green tea helps reduce the amount of new blood vessels in your fat storage, which means they don't have like the fat doesn't have nutrients and therefore just kind of dies. so, like, there are there is evidence that it could help, but it's, like, it's not, like, if you drink green tea, you will lose weight, you know? Which also, I mean, just as just as a pathway for health isn't really super advisable anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you do just drink green tea, you'll probably lose a lot of weight, but that's because you're only drinking water. Um, and you will be malnutritioned. <laughs> yes. Um so green tea, this is number six, green tea can help protect protect your brain. So again, these catechins um, have actually shown pretty promising results. I, haven't, I don't think they've done human trials, though, um, uh, in decreasing your risk of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. So, um, yeah, this one's sort of like, yeah, it probably helps, but there's not really any proof <laughs> yet. Um, yeah. And then the last one is just that green tea makes you live longer, which is that sort of classic thing where it's like... Well, sure, if you can if you can alleviate all of these issues that we've just yeah. talked about, of course you're going to live longer, especially if you've got lower blood pressure and lower cholesterol. But, like, that's the again, thing. How, how much can any of this be substantiated? Clearly not too much. That's the thing. And it, they, the sort of recommendation is to drink three to five cups of tea a day, which I can get behind. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, so basically it's just like, well, you'll probably like, they have actually done huge studies on this. So this is the thing. They have done studies that have have like up to 40,000 people in the study. Um, And in general, drinking three to five cups of tea a day, you'll see an increase in lifespan and a decrease in what we just said, all those things that could cause mortality. But like, obviously you couldn't possibly determine that tea was like the driving factor behind that. (laughs) Yeah. Let alone determine why as well. Yeah. We're still a bit of a ways off from that. Um, But otherwise, um, to make sure you're getting the most health benefits out of your tea, we don't want to boil it because obviously that's going to make it bitter, but also boiling it destroys some of the nutrients. Um, And anything that's sort of like an extract of green tea is not going to be as good as real green tea. And likewise, getting like a decaf version of green tea is also not going to be as good because it's 
that's kind of one of the benefits. And also um, it's just going to be played with, you know, they're going to have done some sort of processing to it, which is going to screw with it a bit. Absolutely. Um, I found a very interesting little article, which I'm just going to fly through very quickly because uh, much like our oolong teas, there's a huge range of green teas again. So, you know, just, just off this, off this little article alone, you could argue that, you know, in your Chinese green teas, you've got Lung Ching or Dragonwell tea, Jasmine tea, Gunpowder tea, Pilobun or Biloshun tea, um, Sencha tea, Sincha tea, Bancha tea, these are all Japanese now, Kuchika, Tencha, Matcha, Gyokuro, Genmaicha, and Hojicha. So, again, you know, you've got huge varietals within the green tea world as well just like in, in our world of oolongs. And these are all, you know, different blends and different ways of cultivating and, and all kinds of different um, methods of preparation as well. But I did find it really interesting looking at the processing of how they do the, uh, the shaping and the drying and the pressing and the steaming, because, of course, they used to do all of this by hand. And it would take hours to produce, you know, even just like 10 kilos worth of tea. It would take them like 40 hours or something. Whereas now in that same amount of time, they can make hundreds of kilos worth of tea by using machinery and whatnot. But I just thought it was totally wild that there's multiple, you know, multiple machines that have obviously had to be invented purely for the purpose of cultivating tea. Yeah, but when you think about it, like, and all the history we've covered and how important tea is to everyone, it makes oh, sense. Of course, that and that's the thing. You do kind of go, of course it would happen. But then, you know, looking at these images of these massive, you know, manufacturing machines that are designed for shaping tea and drying tea, it's just the coolest thing. Yeah. Something that I thought was really cool was that after after green tea goes through the drying process and then the shaping process, which can usually, be, again, be done by machines, so for either rolling or, or shaping into, like, curly twisted points, etc., once they get put into a storage container, they have to be kind of aired with cool air in order to maintain their temperature because green tea leaves can generate their own heat. Um, what? Yeah. What? And I was reading it and I just went, hang on. <laughs> and I had to read it about three times, but yep, it, it, it can generate its own heat. And therefore, while, while it's being stored after being, you know, pressed and dried and shaped and whatnot, many manufacturers will then kind of air it with cool air to keep it at its ideal temperature for storage. Because otherwise, if you just leave, you know, thousands of tea leaves in a, in a drum, uh, for st- in a storage drum, they will generate their own heat. Okay. At first I was like, that's, cr- are you telling me that tea is literally magical? But um, now that I think about it, like if you think about like a, uh, <laughs> this is so Australian, but have you ever like seen like a, a bush turkey <laughs> nest? <laughs> no, actually, I don't think I have. Oh, okay. Let's just be growing up in the bush. <laughs> no. So, like, basically, bush turkeys create, like, a huge, like, three-meter diameter mound of leaves. It's incredibly high. It's this enormous wow. pile of leaves. And you can tell where a bush turkey's been um, because they will have cleared, like, cleaned the floor of the forest of leaves wow. to put it into their pile. And um, anyway, the point of me telling you this is that 
it gets incredibly hot inside of these piles of leaves that it incubates their eggs for them um, because of like just the bioactivity of like leaves breaking down and that sort of thing. Wow. So, so there you go. Now that you say that, I'm like, oh. <laughs> that makes sense. That's so cool. I love that. Well, that seems like a very cool fun fact to leave us on while we brew up a pot of tea. Yeah. Welcome back. Tea tasting time. Three teas, as it were. And we actually have three teas for you this week. Uh, so we've got oh, another yeah. two from our new friends at Organa Tea. And we've also got another new tea from our old friends at Tea Tonic. Tea yeah. Tonic. Three teas. That's five teas. Wow. wow. <laughs> I'm excited. Too many. Too many teas. <laughs> three to five. It's, it's, it's all lining up. Three to five cups of tea a day. You'll live longer. We have three to five teas right now. Stop <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I don't know about you, but all of mine are starting to look kind of the same colour today. I have made them all in brown mugs, so I couldn't tell you what colour so they are. you can't tell. Great. Excellent. Very helpful. Although, yeah, no, the, the fruit one are... is a bit, like, orangey colored it's a bit it's so okay so this is the thing once once we get to it we'll talk about it more but i was expecting that one to come out red and it didn't Mm. um so what shall we start with hayden i think we should start with that's a good question i don't think there is a clear starting point i think maybe we should end with the Spicy one. Okay, okay. Well, then let's start with our first green tea. So this one is from Tea Tonic, our old friends at Tea Tonic, mm. and it's called Oriental Twist. Now, if it were me, I would probably give that a new name. Not wild about the name Oriental Twist. Uh, maybe not wild. Maybe we could call it Lychee Twist or Green Twist or something like that. But it definitely has a twist because yeah. its ingredients are Hayden. The ingredients are green tea and natural lychee flavor. So, and it does smell very good. It smells very interesting. It does. It smells pretty bloody good. Um, so this is a uh, three to five minutes steep um, in your green tea, eighty degree water, and just serve as is, pretty much. It smells pretty great. I'm pretty excited. It's got that really kind of nice. It kind of reminds me, actually, of the same level of complexity that a lot of those other tea tonic teas had. Mm. Kind of like their longevity tea um, and their and their bright spark tea as well. It's just got that mm. kind of nice little. There's something something in there that I think is going to be kind of toasty. Maybe shall That's we find okay. out? Let's do it. Ooh. <laughs> That's nice. It's, mm, well, it's exactly what you'd expect. It's that lychee coming through. Hmm. Yeah. But it's not too sweet. Normally you add lychee to something and it automatically really sweetens it. Yeah. I think it has sort of like this like sweet placebo thing going on where it's sort of like you taste it and like, ooh, lychee, tropical fruit. You're like, it's so sweet. And then, but you're right. Like, it's actually not. But also yes. can confirm, brewed this at uh, 80 degrees and it's not bitter. So. No, I did mine for a solid four and a half minutes on all of these. I did 
four and a half mm. minutes at different temperatures. And I love a good four and a half minutes deep. I think it's a really, really solid, solid um, flag point. Mm. Well, it's worth noticing that also this this one was in a tea bag. And I did read today that uh, tea, so green tea, the uh, longer and hotter you steep it for, it's probably like the cheaper, <laughs> that's kind of horrible to say, but it's sort of like the less premium uh, teas and the more premium teas you steep uh, sh- much shorter, as short as 30 seconds uh, at temperatures as low as 60 degrees, but you do it multiple times. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Ridiculous. At 60 degrees, but you re- like use the leaves multiple times. Right. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, this is lovely. I could. Am I crazy? Or is there like something a bit coconutty about it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. It's, it's, again, it's probably the lychee just kind of giving you that same kind of vibe. It's, it's really fresh. I think what I'm noticing is that it's really hot here today. And I'm not at all having a problem mm. drinking this, even though it's, I've, you know, I've, I've steeped it hot. Um, again, I would love to ice this tea. Yeah. Um, <gasps> yeah, this would be great yeah. iced and also with some sugar. <laughs> no, I think if you iced it, I think it would be sweet enough. I think that lychee would come through even more and cold. You'd really taste it. I don't think you'd need any sugar at all. Hmm. Okay, we have to move on, otherwise I'm just going to keep drinking this. <laughs> okay, so then that means we're moving on to uh, the first of our Organities, which is called it's called Floral, Floral Dreams. Dreams. Part of their... Yeah. They, they have the, the Organities, they have like a little marker of what sort of, I guess, range they're from. So this one's part of like mm. the, the Blissful range, and the one we'll try later is from the Cleanse range. Um, but this one is Fruity and Fun, uh, Floral Dreams. What's in it, Michael? So we've got a floral flute, fluty. Can it be fluty? It could be a fluty blend. A fluty blend. <laughs> a, a floral blend. and fruity blend of raspberry, strawberry, calendula, orange blossom, and rose. Mm, everything's coming up roses. And the directions again say that this one could be made hot or cold as well. I kind of wish we had made it cold, but that's okay. I think it's going to be delicious hot. Yeah. Okay, let's give it a smell. So yeah, and so this is why I was expecting this one to be red. Um, I guess there's no hibiscus in it, which is probably why. But I was expecting yeah. the raspberry and the strawberry and the orange blossom and the rose. I thought it was going to come out darker than it has, but it's just a kind of again a a, a, a kind of amber, a dark amber. Um, almost it like smells a burnt very amber, fruity. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Strawberry like obviously, I can smell there. Yes, yeah, well, why, yes, yeah. <laughs> mm. All right, here we go. Mm-hmm. I love this. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I've got okay. something a little bitter in mind. Oh, no. No. no, I love this. This is amazing. This, for me is everything that the strawberry gum green wanted to be. Ooh. The one from the rabbit hole. And mm. I liked that one. I really did. It was really nice and very subtle. Um, but this is great because that strawberry just comes right through. The strawberry is delish. And it's actually like I've had other strawberry teas, but usually it's like very like um, s- sort of 
not sickly sweet because it's never sweet. It's very tart. It's like sickly tart. It's like very sort of like mm-hmm. um, almost like oppressive. <laughs> it's like kind of like a, almost like thick flavor, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. But this is like beautiful. It's like really light strawberry, but it's quite strong. I am totally making some of this and icing it. This will be so good cold. Mm. I mean, I do have, I don't know. I just did boiling water because I assumed that was fine because it's herbal. Mm-hmm. Um, and a freak tisane. But I do have like a bit of t- aftertaste in mine. But I have no idea why you're getting that because I boiled mine as well and mine is gorgeous. Interest. Oh, well. Maybe it's just a. I love it. Freak coincidence. Well, it's mm. not, not a coincidence at all because there's only yeah. one, one instance of it happening. But <laughs> Okay, I guess we need to move on, but, like, do we have to? <laughs> yes. Um, last but not least, we have another Organity uh, called Green Spice. Green Spice, which has organic censure, as we discussed, makes up 80% of the green tea market. And uh, spice, <laughs> just a spice. <laughs> I, I noticed there was like some cloves in there. It's supposed to be, I suppose, like a, well, its tagline is organic green chai. Yeah. And as I, as I, you know, poured some out to take a look at, I did notice that a lot of the spices in there were the same, the exact same ones that you see in a traditional chai mix. Um, so that, that was interesting to see. And smelling it, it even smells like it's going to have a bit of a, a chai essence to it. Um, so I'm really excited because I don't know what to expect from this. I think yeah. it's going to be a bit odd. Green, like it smells like a delicious chai, but the green part, I'm just like, interesting. Yeah, also, I did this at 80 intrigued. degrees because. I did it, too, because it's green. Green tea. But <laughs> so okay. we'll see. Mine is, again, a lovely yellow color, much brighter and more golden than the one just before. It smells very sweet to me. It smells like chai. Like if I closed my eyes yeah. and just smelt it, I would not be able to tell you that it's green. Mm. Okay, let's do it. So I guess we'll find out. Ooh. Mm. Oh. Mm. It's weird. I love it, but it's weird. It's like really smooth. And really... Chai. <laughs> yeah, I don't get any green. <laughs> no, and so what's bizarre about this is that we're drinking it without milk, but I feel like I'm drinking a chai latte. Yeah. It does, yeah. It has, like, I don't know. I want to, is there ingredients? On the website, we've got Sencha green tea, mm-hmm. caraway, aniseed, ginger, licorice, cloves, cinnamon, cardamom, pepper. Okay, I'm going to bet that the licorice is giving it that sweetness Mm-hmm. because that's what that sneaky licorice does. But I was, I'm like, what is this sort of vanilla flavour, which is, I think, the reason why it's kind of like, like drinking a chai oh. latte. Okay, I'm only just kind of getting that, but I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like kind of creamy. Yeah, I think the thing for me is if you make a chai tea without any milk, it Mm. has a very strong kind of overpowering taste. Mm. Whereas you make this without milk and it tastes like a chai tea with milk because you've kind of just, you know, 
lightened down the flavor you've you've thinned it out diluted it as it were but it's just so bizarre that you can achieve that with green tea i kind of love it i think it's i I do too i would love to turn it into a chai latte and see what it's like i think it would be interesting i think it would kind of border on somewhere between a chai latte and a matcha latte um which i'm obsessed with both so i'm not that wild about a matcha latte to be honest what see this 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 appeals to the lazy part of me because mm. now I'm like, I can have a chai latte without having to heat up any milk. True. <laughs> I love this. This is great. So what a what's, solid day. Yeah. What's your, uh, like, how are we going to choose a winner out of those? I don't know. I, mm, I want to, the problem is I actually genuinely really love them all. I think mm. the two organities are probably going to be winners for me only because they're both so left, so much further left of field than I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. The lychee twist was a, like, exactly what you thought it was going to be. But the it, other two were like- And it was oh, really good. Yeah. And it was really yeah, good at that. And I think for me, the fact that the Floral Dreams was so heavy on the strawberry really kind of caught me by surprise. And it was, I loved it. It was, again, it was unlike a lot of other things that you can, that you can find out there. Mm. So I loved that. And then purely for the genius of somehow managing to make chai latte without milk, I love this green chai. I think I think I would vote the green chai for my wins. Yeah. Okay. You're you're calling it. You're calling the green yeah. chai. Mm-hmm. I'm stuck between the two. I think. Mm. I mean, yeah, that's really. I did beautiful. really love the strawberry, but I mean, mine had that bitter taste, so that's really the clincher there. That's fair. Mine did not. Mine was gorgeous. I loved mine. Well, I guess that brings us to the end of this week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you want to, you know, check out some photos of these teas and follow us uh, on the social medias for updates and things like that, you can find uh, us at Steeping Podcast on Instagram, also on Facebook. Uh, I'm at Hayden Rogers on Instagram and Twitter and stuff. And I'm at Michael Mandelios on Instagram and Twitter as well. Now, make sure that uh, if you're following us on a podcasting service like Spotify or Stitcher or Apple or Google Podcasts, make sure you're following or subscribing so that you know when we come back after breaks and when when we have new episodes going up and all those kinds of things, especially as we're leading up into the holiday season. Um, this season might be scheduled a little bit irregularly, but that's good because we'll always be there for you when you need us. Um, <laughs> Something that's actually kind of really bizarre and cool and a little bit exciting is that we found out that we have actually made it onto a list. A podcast-chasing list. list, I know. Isn't it very exciting? So, it turns out that we are number seven, which I do do love the number seven myself, (laughs) on the feed spot list of top 15 tea podcasts. That's pretty good out of Which, 15. I mean, in and of itself is kind of amazing that there's, you know, that there's enough teak podcasts out there to warrant a top 15 list. Mm. But nonetheless, we made it onto the feed spot list for top tea podcasts. So if you want to check out that list, if you're so obsessed with tea podcasts that you want to find the other 14, or if you want to find a way to boost us up to number one, you can head to blog.feedspot.com slash tea underscore podcasts. That's blog.feedspot.com slash tea underscore podcasts. And you can check out the whole list of the top 15 tea podcasts that they've got there on Feedspot. Garage. 
As always, you can also check out Organity and Teetonic on Instagram and Facebook and their websites. Organity is organityaustralia.com.au and Teetonic is just teetonic.com.au. And yeah, and of course you can search for them on social media as well. Last one, of course, is our Patreon. You know the deal. If you head to patreon.com slash that's not canon, you can check out the network and support us there as well. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you soon. Tea infinity. And While You Were Steeping is a That's Not Canon Productions podcast. For more information, head to that'snotcanon.com. Canon with one N.